Hello, Mixed Net Cases. This is Nuke Jess, and this is Nutty Bites. And today, we're going to be talking about how important is world building to you. With me today, as always... Hi, I'm Still Tech. And we've got our good friend... Hello, I am Sonorous Vox, or so I think I am. So he thinks he is. Uh, and we're talking about world building in not about like, how do you build worlds and things like that, but more like, how important is it to you as a consumer, as one, not, not consumer in the sense that you're paying for things, but I mean, partially you are one that consumes an item. So, uh, movies, TV shows, comic books, uh, video games, tabletop games, board games. How important is world building to you when it comes to that? Are there world, you know, certain built worlds that you are all in? It doesn't matter what it is. You are going to buy that thing. Are there some that you're going to just stay away because you're like, okay, great built world, not for me. Or, um, you know, is, is it always going to be a, well, it depends. World building for me is one of those things that's usually invisible. And the only time, the only time I've ever noticed like world building as an art is when it's done really, really good or done really, really bad. Mm. And th- then that becomes the topic of discussion that, oh my God, the world building thing is awful. That's so inconsistent. Or, oh my God, I want to live in the world that they've created here. It is amazing. And everything else, it just sort of hides. Yeah. And, and, th- and that's okay. It's, it's one, it's one of those things. It's one of those arts of storytelling, of making a consistent universe that is underappreciated and is like, it's kind of like making a skeleton for your story. Mm. Some people can do very, very well. And, you know, they write jellyfish. They write things that have no bones. Other people, you know, make skeletons that are all bones. And then they tell like little stories in between. And both of them are fine. It's just, I never really notice the world building unless it's gosh awful or super good. Mm. I I tend to be a bit different. I I get caught up in the world so much that a lot of the time, especially with video games, I don't play the game per se. I don't I don't go into the story that they want me to tell. They they want to tell. I get lost in the little details that they put in there. Um, something like like Cyberpunk, for example. Night City is more of a character to me than the main character V. Night City has more aspects that I, I care to explore, to to find, to discover than V's personality, which is admittedly fleshed out well. It's it, you've got a character that it, like it, the story is good, but the world to me is more engrossing. And the and in the in the case of Cyberpunk, what really helps them with that is the fact that the game's got a thirty year head start. Mm. The tabletop game has a thirty year head start in the video game of thirty years of storytelling in this world that sort of fleshed V is a new character that they wrote for this game, but Johnny Silverhand and the afterlife bar and Adam Smasher and all the other characters, they've existed for 30 years. So there's catalogs of information that you can draw on to sort of flesh them out. And no, you're absolutely right that you can get, you can go for a walk in cyberpunk and completely ignore the game and just go for a walk downtown in, in night city Mm -hmm. and find a hundred little stories of things that are going on. And I feel like cyberpunk as in 
Cyberpunk TM trademarked, mm. uh, it, it is a world that many of us, it is one of those examples of that is a world that you will follow. You know, it was a great tabletop role playing game and everybody was excited about the video game because it was cyberpunk. And we watched the anime because it was cyberpunk. And we watched the episode of How to Drink because it is cyberpunk, you know, and things like that. And that is the hallmark of excellent world building when you can make another product in the same franchise in a completely different genre. So to go from, you know, first person uh, shooter video game to anime, to an anime yeah. series, you know, when they made Cyberpunk Edge Runners, based in the same world with different characters, but have it be coherent and cohesive and absolutely incredible. I mean, if you're a fan of either Cyberpunk or anime or both, I recommend if you haven't already, if you're one of the three people that hasn't watched Edge Runners, please watch it. It's quite good. And it's, if you want to hear our thoughts, listen to that episode. Listen to the Edge Runners episode <laughs> because my gosh, what a great show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, I was going to say Star Trek is another one of those because there have been multiple iterations of Star Trek. When we say something is Star Trek, it's not a prequel. It's not a sequel. It, it, it does, yes, it might tie to some of those other things or reference those things, but it doesn't actually take place as part of the original story. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek's one of those ones too, where it's got such a vast world mm -hmm. that, um, it's almost at times to its detriment because it's, it's, I think this is the, this is the, the thing with world building in general is, uh, when you've got a world that becomes so large, like sometimes you get, have a world that's so large that it's hard to write stories in that world mm -hmm. because there are people so invested in the world that a story you tell may conflict with something already established in that world that you completely missed yourself. Yeah. Uh, and you see that in, in a lot of these franchises, you know, a battle tech mech warrior is, is a, a good example of a franchise that is like so huge and has spawned like dozens of books and different role playing supplements and everything. And like the, the world Bible, the world book is now so massive of an archive that it's impossible to write a story that doesn't conflict with something else that something mm -hmm. that somebody else has already written. Um, uh, and I don't know, Nutty. I thought you had information on this. Like, who is the who is the sacred holder and keeper of oh, the the Trek World Bible? I don't remember her name. She's not the holder of the Trek World Bible, but she is the canon consultant or whatever canon producer. Okay. She's she's the person that they check with. Uh, let me find it. it. She was on. I listened to an interview with her on the podcast All the Asians and Star Trek. Okay. And, for lower decks, she is the content supervisor. I'll I'll, I'll figure it out. Okay. So while while you're looking that up, I'll tell a very similar story of uh, an organization attached to uh, George R. R. Martin's uh, A Song of Ice and Fire mm. books uh, called The Brotherhood Without Banners. Mm -hmm. That they started off as being uh, they sort of like basically running a wiki, an archive of. Mm -hmm. All of the different information in the canon. So this family has this coat of arms. They have these family members. They have this. And their archiving is so good that George, the author himself, was relying on them. And that in, they then started 
he would send them manuscripts to get them to proof for continuity. And there's a pretty famous story in there about one character who in one book he wrote him as having gray eyes. In the next book, he wrote him as having blue eyes. Mm. And then the Brotherhood Without Banners is like, what color are Renly's eyes? Because now you've said two, and what do we do? So in the third book, there's a paragraph in there about how, oh, and Renly's eyes appeared gray or blue, depending on his mood or the angle at which the sun hit him. Yeah. So <laughs> even he nodded his own yeah. cap to his continuity checkers that... I built the world so big, even I can't remember what's and, going and on. And from then on, uh, I think it's Elio and Linda. I think Linda's the wife's name, but, um, they review everything before he sends it to the publishers. Right. Because they, and, and, and a friend of ours, Scott Sigler has the same thing. Um, as he was writing books, all of his different fiction is set in the same universe. Um, so if something happens in one book, it, that means it happened in other books. And, um, there is like the Siglerpedia where people were keeping track of it. And now it's gotten to the point where it's, uh, Big John is his, uh, content continuity editor. And he also does a pass before things go live. And I think the really neat thing was, the you know uh, Scott always does like an open Q and A at the end of his books mm-hmm. where you know when he releases it on podcast you can write in questions and they'll do like a live show and they'll answer and this last time uh, it was a a re release of the original rookie with the swearing and um, they had Big John at at the Q and A so that was kind of wild and there were a couple of times it's like wait 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 let's see can can John answer that I don't know uh, can I share this. Uh, no, you can't. Okay. We're going to have to say, no, we can't answer that today. Or, or, oh yeah, we can totally answer that today. You know, and like, there were like little things like we have to check before spoilers get out. But, uh, yeah, it was kind of cool. Um, so the paid position mm-hmm. that Catherine Lynn has is Canon consultant. She's also ha- credited as writer and producer on a couple of the episodes as well and is also working on Strange New Worlds. Uh, but yeah, her, her official role is she is the canon consultant. So sometimes they'll say, what's, you know, what's a, a, a race that is quick to anger, but not the Klingons, but has this, but not the, not the Nausicans. And, and then she'll go, Oh, it's this. And you can find it here and here and here. And they'll go great. And then they'll throw it into an episode or, uh, they'll come up with like different things. There's the mm-hmm. four ships episode where it, you're seeing the lower decks from like different crews. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that came from her. Um, and that's a great episode. And, and that's yeah. the thing is that, you know, you know, Star Trek is this huge thing. It's been going since the sixties. It's this massive world with, you know, novels and video games and all kinds of, you know, and TV shows and cartoons and, but they managed to make a cohesive universe. Yeah. Even when they break it, even when they throw red matter, even when they do, you know, the red matter spinoff universe, they still managed to make it cohesive to mostly to Gene and now his yeah. son, who I think is Eugene, right? Uh, yeah, he's got a couple of sons, right? But yeah, but you know, they make it. Rod is one of them. Yeah, so they make it. They, they, they try to stay uh, true, and they succeed in most cases to make it true to the family vision of you know what Star Trek is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. One where I think they kind of get it wrong. Um, and, and I, you, I just before you go into that, I do want to compare. Star Trek is a bunch of different stories 
in the same universe, whereas Star Wars, every one of those stories, up until recently, every one of those stories is either a prequel, a side quest, or a sequel to the main story. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Star Wars, um, I don't think does a very good job at world building yeah. because they forget their every time they do a new trilogy, they forget their rules. Yep. It's like where all of a sudden, you know, um, we see like a, just one really silly example in episode four, which was the first movie made in 1977. There is a very clear scene where the droids land on a planet for the first time. They don't know where they're going. They're lost. They get picked up by Jawas. They get bought by Luke, who then has to clean up the droids and then teach them to speak the binary language of the moisture evaporators, which is yeah. very close to the binary load lifters that, you know, C3PO worked with before, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Episode one comes out 20 years later. All of a sudden, Luke Skywalker's dad built C3PO on that same desert planet. No. No, he did not. Um, Even with a data erase, you'd think that you wouldn't have to teach them the language. Right, or that they'd know where to go on the planet. But it's just this this ridiculous thing where they had to, well, we can't have a Star Wars movie without C-3PO. We have to put him in the movie because the fans are going to want to see it, and they're going to expect Anthony Daniels. So how do we do it? Well, we'll just make it so that, you know, Anakin builds him. And it's that level of, you know, just inconsistent Yep. inconsistent writing and world building and uh, and then they did it again with you know seven eight and nine where all of a sudden the emperor has a child and a yeah. grandchild <laughs> question mark but it's a clone and it just yep, they, they stop making sense see and that to me is uh we don't care about world building and we don't care about the viewer so this this kind of speaks to um what we have when we have lore keepers that are fans Mm-hmm. Uh, Star Wars has a good deal of fandom around it that maintains its lore and keeps it somewhat cohesive. Oh, the, the Wikipedia and, is amazing. Yeah. yeah. And the extended universe, which is now not even a universe that exists anymore, technically, all of these, all of these authors that contributed to it, all of these comic book writers, all of these people that were making different shows or different media, they all had some agency in building a cohesive world out of what was not cohesive. Yeah. And you see that in shows like The Mandalorian, where it has nods to a universe that no longer exists by canon anymore. And you see it um, throughout. You see glimmers of them trying to now salvage a world out of what wasn't really a cohesive world. I will say that the spinoff shows and the (laughs) spinoff one-shot movies like Han and the Mandalorian, I'm sorry, the Han Solo movie, Mandalorian, Rogue One. Rogue One, yeah. Uh, that all of those are better than the nine, uh, than the nine mainline movies. Yeah. And I think a, a big, a big problem is that, like you said, I mean, they did not care about, not that they didn't care. I, I, I say that a lot and it, uh, it's glossing over. It, it, there was little attention paid to, keeping a consistent world and making sure that everything made sense. And there was also lots of changes in direction, even when it was Lucas at the home, even in the original trilogy, because, you know, he had one goal and one idea and it was going to go this way. And 
his wife made some changes and said, oh, you need to do it this way. You need to do it that way. And then they got divorced. And he's like, well, I'm going to change everything she said because I'm not happy. And then the prequels come out and it's like, well, how can I sell toys? And then the sequels come out and it's okay. So we got one director for this movie and one director for that movie. And we're going to change what we want to do. We're going to tell the actors one thing. We're going to tell the fans another thing. And then we're going to do the same story. It doesn't matter. It's like you're playing one of those games where they elude you into thinking you have a choice. But when it comes down to it, at the very end, there's only one ending. Yeah, that's that's so, what so Star Wars is. This is this is one of those examples of I think bad world building. Yeah, but in a good franchise because yeah. we're 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 trash talking this, but we're all Star Wars fans. Yeah, and <laughs> except except for Vox, but he hates it. Like, I'm a Star Wars fan. I always have. I have been since I was a kid. I remember yeah. being, you know, being very very young, watching the movies as they came out. Well, the the two, uh, you know, five and six, because I wasn't alive when four. Um, shut up. <laughs> it came out the year you were born, Nutty. You're not that old. Yeah, I mean, it's not that I'm not a fan either. It's just there are worlds and there are stories I care much more about. Right. And, but it's the thing is that the world building, we can all agree, or I hope we can all agree that the world building in the Star Wars, you know, cinematic universe is pretty bad. Yeah. Comma, but the movies are some of the most successful movies in history. And the franchise as a whole is this like money making juggernaut that Disney is just riding this printing press off to the moon. And, you know, everybody's getting gold-plated houses and rocket cars. And bad uh, bad yeah. world building doesn't have to stop success and doesn't have to stop a good story. But so, it's something that we all notice and we're all going to rail against. So do you, want a, do you want a wonderful example of something you just quoted that is somewhat bad world building or inconsistent world building that's very successful? Sure. It's The Simpsons. Yeah. Okay. Tell me. So, tell okay, me. So, so anything. First off. <laughs> yeah. first yeah. off yeah. What was the name of the character that I quoted? If you're oh. gonna, if you're gonna know that I quoted one, is that ten, is that Boxcar Joe or whatever it no, was? No, that is Chester J. Lampwick, yes. the original creator of Itchy and Scratchy, yeah. who talks about his gold-plated house and his rocket car. But yeah. you are the only person who knows where that comes from. So ten points to you. Sir. Yeah. So this is the thing: is the inconsistency of The Simpsons over the years with its environment is almost. It almost serves them better in their success. But I think that's part of the gag, just, right? Yeah. Like, 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 where is Springfield? Yeah, yeah. Right. We're, One day it's next to a giant desert with the with the Grand Canyon. The next day it's on the Pacific Coast or the Atlantic Coast, and yeah, that's part of the gag. That, and it, I guess in that case it is. But you still somehow have a world built out of just the characters in that world, which is an and it's an eccentric way that not many. Not many shows, not many, not many aspects of media have ever succeeded in the way that they have when it comes to creating a world simply out of the people that live in it and the environments where they thrive. So having, uh, the Bolarama be there because Barney was working there and only because Barney was working there and barely ever mentioned again once Barney stopped working there mm-hmm. is Part of the gag, yes, but it's also part of the success. It's because Barney as a character is compelling enough that you want to care about where he's from. I, I was watching some early episodes from the first couple of seasons, and you know, you talk about world building. What's the address of the Simpsons' house? 
Uh, I know it's on Elm Street. I can't remember the address itself. 742 Evergreen Terrace. Evergreen Terrace. Yes. Elm Street was a nightmare on Elm Street. Right. That's right. <laughs> but the thing is, is that, that that street and house number, 742 Evergreen Terrace, wasn't always their address and didn't become their consistent address until like season five or six. Before mm. that, it changed all the time. And then they, they, they're like, okay, we're going to nail it down. And it's going to yeah. be 742 Evergreen Terrace. But meanwhile... Other shows that came afterwards, like Family Guy, you know, 23 Spooner Street from like they, episode they won, one yeah. on, it was yeah. always they knew mm-hmm. the address of the and and there's a the, con- the house. There's a contrast that works really well is that uh, the arguably the cohog of Family Guy is a much more developed city. It has locations that are consistent within the world, but I'm bored by that. Right. I'm like, I'm instantly bored by the fact that they, they like in a, in that kind of, it's trying to be madcap yet it has too much consistency in it way. Right. So world building in that case kind of hurts it. <laughs> I, I, I think that there's also how much world building needs to be done mm. for a show that's supposed to be set in a world much like our own. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 they have four fingers instead of five, but it's much like our own world. Right. Um, whereas I think that, you know, when we, we talked about Star Trek or we talked about cyberpunk, this is a different world. And mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting because if I were to bring up the topic of world building to somebody that's not interested in sci-fi, fantasy, speculative fiction, you know, geeky, uh, mediums, they wouldn't know what that means in the sense that, well, okay, do you just mean being consistent and doing callbacks? Because there's not a lot of world building that you have to do for the office or for the Fast and the Furious, you know? Like, <laughs> there's there's content, there's canon, but the Fast and the Furious takes place in our world. Uh well, for the first yeah. five movies, it did. Okay, <laughs> right. But the thing is, is that world building is not just like places, but it's yeah. things like, like, what's the name? Like, what's the name of the main character's significant others? Who are their children? Yeah. Who the- are they related to? How do they all intermix in things? And, you know, it's all about family. And, well, his family is getting pretty big. And now he's got to fight Aquaman. In the, in the next movie. Is, so, is, well, is was, that actually, is that actually Aquaman? Cause I, he looked different. It looked it, like he it? just, it, I, yeah, I think it is, but it also looked like he'd like let himself go for the role. Well, I mean, he's not getting that big DC money. Um, I, I, I was, I was just thinking like the, the, the most like mainstream world of world building that I think that, you know, they are actually creating the world, not just the people in it and the canon and the, you know, like you said, that part of the world um, would be like James Bond. Right. Because that yeah. is much mm-hmm. like our own universe, but there are definite things about that universe that do not exist in our universe. And yeah. um, one that I wanted to bring up earlier. And yes, it is Jason Momoa. Yeah. One of the things I he's to- credited as villain. I don't know if that's the character's name or that just what he's doing. Probably I mean, not. Probably it's, it's, it's just it's, not it's, announced yet. It's Dante. Dante. Yeah. Okay. So well, another one that I got to talk about, and I mean, if you want to talk about inconsistent world building, uh, we can just bring up any soap opera you want. Mm. Because in Tecamundo. one season, huh? 
Telemundo. Tele, or, you know, our, our good old fashioned telenovelas, right? Where, yeah. you know, one season a character dies due to a brain tumor, but the next season they come back because that was just a dream or, you know, whatever. They can do whatever they want. And just like that, another thing of inconsistent world building that has always kind of cheesed me off is comic books. Especially like mainline, like Marvel, like the big series, like the Spider-Man. The, Retconning. Is, is that depending on the author and depending on the story arc, they're just gonna nope a whole, a whole thing and start over. And yeah. it hasn't been more obvious for me than it was with Batman mm. in that every writer has their own idea. I mean, at one point, Alfred was the Joker. Uh, in another series that's come out now, um, uh, the Joker is Batman. But that, that I believe is an actual acknowledged in the world of Batman alternate reality that he's right, in. Right. That, yeah, right. It, it's the alternate reality. Yeah, but the that. thing is, is that they're, 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 but in the next story, that won't be true. In, yeah. In some of the stories, the Joker's dead. Um, in other ones, he's alive. And it just, it all depends on what arc they want to flip at things. Mm -hmm. They, they can completely like rip up the world Bible, write it again, do a thing, do that. And as a casual fan, it's really hard to pick up a Spider-Man comic or pick up a Batman comic and start reading and understand what's going on. It's in the same vein for me as professional wrestling, because I haven't watched it since the <laughs> early 90s. I was going to bring and, it up, actually. <laughs> talk right, about world building. Right. Yeah. So so mm -hmm. please, but because uh, I'm, I'm going to finish on that thought that, yeah. you know, if I turn on Raw right now and sit down and try to understand what's going on and how does this relate to the world I knew in the 90s? It doesn't at all. See, and so, I was thinking that, that DC, Batman specifically in B mm -hmm. DC, I give a lot more freedom to change it and not so much retcon, but that every writer has a different take because, and it always came from the Joker, that no matter, every time you see the Joker, he has a different story about his origin. He has a different take. A di he's a different Joker. But that's the that's the... That, yeah. that's joke. part of the character and now we have it with harley quinn and whose take on harley who's voicing harley who and wrote harley i think that's one of the reasons why uh some of the movies don't have a lot of depth and maybe why mm. some of the movies fall a little flat is that they're trying to build a coherent cohesive universe out of 50 years of so, writing by shotgun yeah so the thing about it is though even though some of the takes may be wildly different, there are some things you always know about a character like Batman. Yeah. Yes. You always know rich parents died, yep. left him way too much money for his own good. He's going to beat up disadvantaged people who are just trying to make a living. Okay. That's <laughs> not, it's, he's, but it's, it's, he stands, he stands for justice. He wears the mantle of the bat. He's in a city that may be different in visual aesthetics but is still just as grungy as, as ever in gotham there are some core things there there's always an alfred figure it doesn't there's there is some world building done but people take the world and yes they shape it in vastly different ways yeah. it's like superman superman is always usually that you know corn-fed midwestern boy who goes out and and fights for good and justice but doesn't understand who he is necessarily. Right. And he's always fighting for good. He's always going to stand against evil. And kryptonite is always going to do something weird to him, depending on its color. Right. <laughs> right. But 
the stories they tell are so so vastly different that sometimes they it's it's almost like someone has taught them how to paint and then they go but i want to be like picasso yeah right and so there's that there now wrestling wrestling is wrestling has to have a weird logic because the shelf life of any given wrestler is usually not as long as they would like them to be. Not everybody's the undertaker who can do 40 years to the, in the business right. and still, still do his thing. And, and still put butts in seats in yeah. the back stadiums. Yeah. Now you look at long-term versus short-term storytelling. Um, a lot of it comes down to Vince just changes his mind in crazy ways. Even even if he isn't controlling the company now, his fingers are still in it. Right, because he and, was the he was like the like the 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 story the story yeah. editor, and and he was the writer. yeah, and he was the guy that five minutes before a show would go, you know, I don't like your look today. You're not looking like you're not looking jacked enough. You're off the show. Yeah, right. like he was the he was he had his own weird set of logic, but long term storytelling when it's done right with them is really really good like they have a story being built around speaking of the fast movies uh uh jason or uh, not jason uh roman reigns shows up in sean hobbs okay uh b- because he's related to the rock he's one of the rock's cousins okay. he is the current now going on three-year unified holds both major world titles belt ch- title belts champion and they have built a three-year story about him assembling all of his relatives around him as the bloodline to protect his his belt and then they had a guy named Sami Zayn who was when it started out about a year ago just this kind of annoying outsider thought everybody was against him and everything but he wanted to get in good with the tribal chief you know which is Roman Reigns and he wanted to be his friend and so you've got all of these Samoan guys teaming up together with a um a pale red-headed Serbian Canadian guy who is annoying as all get out but he's trying to be good and they they make him an honorary member of the bloodline and is he going to turn on them now is he going to because another friend of it the storytelling has been amazing but everywhere else in there you have guys that have three gimmicks inside of a month right so it's the world building is inconsistent it's based on who is loved at the time by the company right and the fans because it always seems i i i remember i remember the 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 attitude era in the 90s where they would like Maybe it was a wrestler we already knew. Maybe it mm-hmm. was somebody new, but they would try a gimmick, see if the fans liked it. Yeah. And then if it didn't, the guy would be back next week wearing a sequin Darth Vader helmet or a stormtrooper helmet, <laughs> kicking yes. his way, kicking his way through a wall to see if that sticks with the fans. Or oh, poor Shockmaster. Poor Shockmaster. <laughs> so, so as much as a fan of wrestling as you are, mm-hmm. does it make you go for the other? mediums do you go for the video games do you go for the i don't know do oh. they have comics i don't know uh yes they do um no i buy i buy the wrestling games every year that come out just because i want to see how good or bad they are because they're inconsistent garbage fires themselves half the time um when you have an entire character in that you're supposed to be playing whose nickname comes from the fact that he slipped and and threw a lunch tray at one point full of stuff and he's now called trey that's your character in one of the things. The story is garbage, but it's, I don't know that I would leave, uh, or I don't know that I would pick something up simply because it's pro wrestling. Cause I don't, it's not an, uh, an engaging enough world. Whereas I'm more inclined to buy a star Trek game mm. because it's got more consistent history to it because right. as much as they've got new worlds and everything going, you have characters and traits that are in that endure. 
But it, it's, yeah, it also comes down to, and wrestling largely comes down to who's writing it at the time and how good are they at making a story stick. Yeah. Um, uh, there are worlds that I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. Let's talk, let's talk about some because I want to talk about one too. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say there are worlds that I absolutely love, but that doesn't mean I'm going to consume everything mm-hmm. that is in that world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I love Shadowrun, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to buy every Shadowrun book. I'm not going to. Okay. You might have. This is me. I'm talking about <laughs> me. He's, he's looking around like, oh gosh, uh, my whole collection is around me. I moved with it for some reason. Yeah. And, and, um, actually it is. It's right over your shoulder. Um, but, um, you know, I'm not going to play every shadow run video game. I'm not going to, yeah. you know, but I absolutely love that world. So it's, it's important in my consumption, but at the same time, you know, it's it's not quite to the level of say so far with cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, go ahead. A world that I love that uh, does not get a, a lot of love, and this is something else I want to talk about, is that great world building that gets destroyed by corporate overhead or studios. Mm. So there was a little known science fiction TV show that came out on Fox in the late '90s or early 2000s called <laughs> Space Above and Beyond. I knew you were going there. Mm-hmm. And they built its, you know, uh, space aliens invade the Earth and the Earth has to go and fight them in space with colonial marines and like uh, airplanes in space and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, but they built a world with multiple bad guys, multiple good guys, different factions, uh, different people fighting because you had an old war on Earth against robots and then a new war in space against space aliens. And some of the robots are good. Some of them are bad. Some of the people are good. Some of the people are bad. Then there's like clones that are born in tanks and some of them are good and some of them are bad. And they're all intermingled in this, the nipple necks. Exactly. That, that's a slur. That's <laughs> our word. Tanks. You can't say that. The tanks. <laughs> yes. The tanks. Um, but they had built this incredibly complicated world, and season one of the show is an introduction to all of the factions and how they're all intermingled. Because that one girl, well, her boss is a synthetic, but her parents were killed by robots. and But now they're all fighting aliens together. So it's this weird, crazy thing of this massively complicated world that was going to give us like nine seasons of amazing TV. And then Fox canceled it after season one because they wanted the creators to go back to making X-Files. So Fox does that. I know. Uh, let's, there's another world that was beautifully, uh, beautifully conceived one step out of our world, one step into sci-fi that had a really amazing first season, barely got a second season and it's dark angel. That right. world was beautifully built it was it had a logic a logic to it that if you look is so so good at just looking at what's going on now and how do we tweak it and make it a little bit more crazy and then go back and watch it again and see like how much did they predict mm, correctly yeah there there's so many little things in there that and so many again factions at play like technologies that they talk about things that are going on that it should have easily had four four seasons, mm-hmm. but two seasons in, Fox decides, nah, it's costing us a bit too much money. Let's kill it. So yeah. uh, another one we got to talk about is Babylon 5. Mm. Uh, talk gr- about a world. Yeah. <laughs> a, an amazing world Bible, an amazing world built 
with lore and history and characters and different factions. And, you know, J. Michael Straczynski has this idea that I am going to write five seasons of my show. And then halfway through season four, the, 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 uh, the studio goes, Hey, sum up. You're only getting four seasons. You're not getting your fifth. Hmm. And he's like, uh, okay. Trims the fat, cuts down a season and a half to a half season. And he's like, I finished my arc at the end of season four. They're like, wow, the end of season four was so successful. Guess what, buddy? You're going to get your fifth season. Buckle mm-hmm. up. So can you give us a fifth? And he's like, uh, but I already told my story. My world is finished. It's like, um, I, I it's like have a so, script ready by Friday. Epilogue. <laughs> Crap. As he goes, and he has to furiously write season five. So there's another one I, I was going to bring up. Um, another another world where I think it was the case of the author is great at coming up with a world and world building, but not so good at filling it with stories. Um, but yet came from publishers in this case pressing for more was uh, the wheel of time mm. right when robert jordan conceived of the wheel of time it was a trilogy 13 books came out of the series mm-hmm. because they kept pushing for more and pushing for more and pushing for more the the man created a fantastic world with amazing potential but he couldn't find stories to fit in it in that stuck with the, the core narrative he wanted. And so he meandered. I mean, I lost interest when they spent an entire book with one of the main characters stroking his beard, looking out over the, over the, the fields and remembering what happened the book before. <laughs> Quite literally, Perrin's entire involvement with book seven was him remembering slightly different versions of things that happened the book before. But. How many, how many of the books did Robert Jordan write before he passed? And then it was, was it Brandon Sanderson? Yeah. So he wrote 10, I believe it was. And Brandon Sanderson finished with three more. Okay. And so you've got a world that was so rich that it had potential there, but he couldn't find the potential in his own world. It seems like, and you have, I I find you have authors that uh, some authors that are really good at creating worlds. Some that are good at taking and and some that are good at taking worlds that exist and creating stories for them. In that case, I would say uh, R.A. Salvatore is an example of that. He takes the, the 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 world of Feyrun and the Forgotten Realms and explores it so deeply and wonderfully. But when he wrote his own series, well, that fell flat. Uh, Echoes of the Fourth Magic. Uh, no, it's I'm thinking the Crimson Cowl or the Crimson Cape. Okay. Um. A, a book so underwhelming that I'm pretty sure you probably never heard of it until I said it. And if you had, you didn't remember it. Cause I, uh, R.A. Salvatore was a guy that I grew up re- reading mm-hmm. all of his books. I devoured the whole story of Dritz de Urden. but there was a point, you know, the, the world, the world he built, the yeah. world that he was playing in mm-hmm. was very well built and he played in it very, very well. And, I don't think I've ever encountered an author that can write hand-to-hand combat better than R.A. Salvatore. The way he describes how the characters move in a fight mm-hmm. is one of the... He's the best in, in in that little niche. But for me, my final moment was just like you were describing with you know the character Perrin in The Wheel of Time, is Dritz staring at Caddy Bree for three books, looking mm-hmm. at a pretty girl going... <sighs> and never talking to her. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I lost interest. It's like, I mean, come on, just do something, anything. Whatever. What you don't know is that all the girls, 
all of my friends that were reading that book were just moon eyes over Riesling. Oh, different book. Different. Oh, differences. Okay. That's Dragonlance. That's, that's, that's Weiss and Hickman. Oh, yeah. And, well, and Weiss and Hickman within the world of like D&D influences, they well, created a world that endures. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Dragonlance, uh, Dragonlance mm-hmm. is awesome. Yeah. Um, but, and, and they created an awesome world. Um, there are characters, there is a character that they have built into their universe that still holds a dear place in my heart because I love Fizban. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. The old, the old stupid wizard that is a matter of fact, a god, but nobody knows. I, I love the character of Fizban. Mm. I thought you were going to say Tasselhoff, but okay. Tasselhoff <laughs> Burfoot's just fun. Um, yeah, uh, but I mean, this is the case where, like, look at the world building that went into creating the Forgotten Realms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was it Ed Greenwood playing D anD D with his friends created a world so good that it spawned not just novels, but an entire setting for a role playing game and characters that enter beyond, characters that push into other realms and everything like that. He created something so vast. But what the beauty of it was is. They went, hey, create your own worlds within this world. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. Well, look at, the, well, there's one character. I, I don't remember what world he started in, but like Lord Soth, that the character ended up being so cool that he spawned his own dimension. And then we got Ravenloft yeah. out of that uh, one character, if I'm remembering. That's that. that's Ravenloft again, or not Ravenloft. That's uh, Dragonlance. Right. Yeah. And Soth was one. It did indeed have a demiplane in the yeah. Plains of Ravenloft. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and then you know, uh, but that's that's what happens when you get mm-hmm. forty years of world, forty fifty years of world building uh, yeah. that you can you can sort of spin off and do all the all these all these crazy things. Um, and you can't take that away from us, nope. corporations. Uh, <laughs> you do things that make us uh, cancel subscriptions and not buy your books, but you can't take that away from. But us. But I will get. I will say that masterfully. Going back and going, it's Creative Commons now was a nice step. <laughs> but th- there's one thing that we <laughs> we'll haven't see. talked about yet that I need to mention very quickly with this topic mm-hmm. because you can't take the sky from me. Mm. Mm. And that is, as much as I don't want to give him money, um, that is a world that I did buy comic books from. I bought... We're talking about Firefly here. Tabletop games. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. bought, um, you know, other games. I... I I bought novels. Uh, I watched the movie, watched the TV show uh, in the other order. And I, as much as everyone's like, we'll bring us back Firefly. I would have loved to have more stories in the Firefly universe. But now I'm kind of, it's kind of like D and D, you know, it's like, eh, well, I, I think not so much. one of my favorite things about the expanded Firefly universe is that when they were building the military uniforms yeah. for the, um, the the bad guy soldiers they just went through a prop closet somewhere and it's the uniforms from the movie Starship Troopers. Yep, the Alliance mm. uniforms are the Starship Troopers. are the Starship Troopers combat yeah. uniforms. Yeah, yeah. No, there's and then, a lot of good stuff there. But there's also like when you look at I don't know you you look at the the world building in Firefly you get the the accusations that well this is just cowboy bebop but Americanized. And it is. It, it really and it is. is. It is. Oh, but, but he didn't know anything about that cowboy bebop no, thing not he's coming thing. up with. This nothing at all. No, he um, such a ripoff, such a liar. I mean, and and this is the thing is where a good world though, uh, Firefly not wanting to give money to a certain certain person involved in it, uh, the world will endure beyond its yeah. roots. Uh, it's like the world of Harry Potter, despite the fact that there are some 
strong indications that, you know, a certain lady named Rowling didn't actually create the world on her own and stole it from a Neil Gaiman book. Really? Um, there's a couple of books. It's not just the Neil, it's a Neil Gaiman comic. Yeah. Um, there's other books that there have been lawsuits, other, uh, books that said, Oh no, you stole from me. You stole from me. You know, there's, there's a lot of stolen stuff in the, the Harry Potter things. And there's a lot of problematic things in the Harry Potter world. So, um, but the world is something that people fell in love with. Yeah. And then the world, the world extends beyond. And so you get like now the new game that came out that there's all these people that are boycotting anybody who plays it. It's like, okay, the world endures beyond the, the frankly awful existence of its creator. Yeah. Right? But, but the game, game itself has good. got some problems too. What, what um, I, I really enjoy is how some of the fans are protesting. Mm. Um, is that they're just going to every subreddit and every discord that discusses this game and they're just dropping spoilers. So they're just ruining the game <laughs> well, for, for everybody. Oh yeah. By the way, this character dies. Ta-da! By the way, one of the spoilers is actually might actually make you change your mind because it doesn't matter what choices <laughs> you choose. You're still going to end up with one of two things happening and basically it really is the same thing. You're, you're, you're gonna have the same end no matter which path you took. Um, but there's a lot of like anti-Semitic things. There's mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, yeah. like purposeful anti-Semitic things. And then, uh, I guess they're like digging up different writers and voice actors and lots of problematic people yeah. involved. And you know what? It's really hard, especially when like, you know, Kids are like, I love Harry Potter. It got me reading. Like, let's not forget. Let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater in that regard. Yep. I'm not paying for anything Harry Potter licensed. Mm-hmm. That has been my rule for yep. quite a few years now. I will not give money for these works. There's still value in the world, though. There's yeah, still things that you drew from still, it that I'm yeah. not burning my Hufflepuff <laughs> stickers, you know, or I don't know what I have, but you know, I am, I, I, I am still going to, you know, I still have that as part of my identity. I am a Hufflepuff. But the, the fact, but, you know, you cannot deny the power of the world that was built yeah, in this yeah. franchise when you have, you know, nine super popular blockbuster movies that they now want to remake for a new generation because they're going to Spider-Man it and give us a whole new franchise again for no reason other than they can still make money on it. And, you know, things like you have groups of college, uh, uh, of college students that are trying to petition the NCAA to make the made up sport from this universe into a real sport. And they want NCAA money to play Quidditch. But the game is based on flying broomsticks. We don't have flying broomsticks. So it's basically field hockey or lacrosse played by kids on a field with brooms between their legs as they run around chasing a man in a gold spangly uniform and rollerblades because you get bonus points if you catch the golden snitch. And... The fact that, like, legitimately people are playing this <clears throat> and having that, a lot of fun. Look, I mean, that's amazing. That sounds like a recipe, mind you, for snitches get stitches. Oh, <laughs> okay, okay. Kudos to you. Kudos no, normally, to you. every time I've seen the snitch, he's wearing a helmet. So probably because one got stitches, <laughs> now they've learned their lesson. Uh, last I heard that they, I, I, last I heard they were changing the name. 
because they want to dissociate. Yeah. Which is so funny to me that they want to look keep the sport. If you wanna if you want to to still delve into the into a world that's very much like Harry Potter, but you don't want to associate with Harry Potter and you're okay with associating with another monolithic corporate or with a monolithic corporation that just about annoyed everybody out there uh that loves their stuff, you could go to Strixhaven. Strixhaven is Magic the Gathering's totally not a ripoff of Harry Potter's universe that has, <laughs> that has a bunch of schools of magic headed by elder dragons, and they play a game called Mage Tower. Man, <laughs> talk about just wanting money. Um, <laughs> magic, man. Uh, by the way, the, the Quidditch Canada logo is pretty cool, I will say. Um, still not going to give any money to it because no. with that name, it, it, it mm-hmm. it's going to find its way back to somebody and, I don't want to support. And so I won't yeah. do it. But I, there's a lot, there, there's definitely, and that's the thing. There's a lot of really good worlds and it's like, there are problematic people who created them or, you know, how far do we go? Do we not like these things anymore? And that's a personal rule for everyone. I, I think that's almost another topic to discuss completely is that how do is, you, how um, do you, how do you, or can you divorce the art from the artist? And I do believe um the title of that episode that, that you can listen to that we've already discussed. Oh yeah, we we'll did. Didn't we discuss yeah. it in the future. Mm-hmm. It is called all your faves are problematic. Yeah. Yeah, we did do that. Yeah, we did do that. All my memory is Swiss cheese. (laughs) Speaking of Swiss cheese, that's a great world. And I wish there was more of, although actually now that I say that, I discovered today that there is more of, but it's a reboot, not another story. Uh, Quantum Leap. Oh, okay. I thought you were going with Wallace and Gromit for some reason. but (laughs) Why would I ever go with Wallace and Gromit? But yeah, no, uh, uh, I just found out today that I guess they made a new Quantum Leap. Yes, they, they, that's about season, it's almost about to launch season two, I think. Um, they brought back Scott Bakula for a cameo, I think at least at one point, cause okay. it is a different, it's a different leaper. It's a, it's a reboot-ish. Okay. Um, from my understanding of it is there's someone else is leaping around and then meets Sam at one point and then they have to figure out why they're both untethered. I, I don't know. Okay. It's like they, they, uh, there's so many worlds that are rebooting now. I think they did, um, different strokes, was it? Or something like that was rebooted recently or no wonder years. Yes. Was rebooted recently. Like I haven't seen that. I want to. It's on Disney plus. So I should watch it, but I just haven't. There's so much good TV. You know, it's, it's hard. Speaking of, um, so. I was talking about how some authors can't, some, some media, it's hard to, they make a world that's really great, but the story isn't great. Yeah. And some, the story is great, but the world is lacking. A, something I'm rewatching right now that is almost the perfect synthesis of great story and great world building, literal world building in some cases, is the good place. Ooh. Very good, Paul. Yeah. Even, even if, you know what's going on. And I'm not going to say what's going on, but even if you know what's going on, the world building is delightful in and this in this show. The thing about The Good Place is that it really seems like that show was written in a bar on a bet because it really <laughs> seems like a like like somebody, some scriptwriter somewhere, some showrunner going, I can make a TV show about anything. Oh, yeah. Can you make it about philosophical concepts? Huh? Got you there, buddy. So, yeah. And then he writes the good place. And it, it shouldn't work. It really should not work. Make a comedy, make a comedy sitcom about philosophy. 
Yeah, but it 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 is so layered. It has so much depth to it. And the world building serves the story incredibly well to the point where when you suddenly get to what's going on in reality in it, oh my, it's there. You saw it. You should have seen it coming, but you didn't. Do I, do I ever, did I ever tell you who turned me on to that show? No. It's my chaplain. Well, now. Yeah. <laughs> he had watched the whole first season. He was waiting yeah. for season two, and he comes into mm-hmm. my office. And he's like, you have to watch this show. You're going to really like it. It's really good. I think I just randomly clicked on it on Netflix one day, and I'm surprised that it worked out. But I do that. Yeah, speaking of problematics, uh, I canceled that today. Uh, but anyway, moving on. Um, oh, yeah, well. having having a world that will bring you into things. And I kind of want to go back to D&D a little bit, because we talked about Forgotten mm-hmm. Realms, and we talked about Dragonlance, but that's all D&D. Like, like it's all D&D mm-hmm. to, to a point. I mean, if you can play in it in D&D, it's D&D. Mm-hmm. Um, that brought me into and and the reason I named Netflix as a problematic thing because this will be an issue when um the next season comes out brought me to a show in Netflix which is Stranger Things because D&D mm-hmm. is part of the world. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not just that the people play D&D and I I will say that most shows that have done a D&D episode their D&D episode is amazing and I really enjoy it. But this show, D&D is part of the world mm-hmm. and it's a way that the kids can explain the world that they're in, even though it's its own world. And it is, although I think they're bringing some stranger things into D&D now, which is really interesting. Well, they brought it into magic. So because mm-hmm. that's because magic and D&D are both owned by Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. And the only thing they're wizards at is alienating their fan bases. Um, yeah, but, that's, that was a good one. I like uh, D and D episodes. Speaking of D and D episodes that you'll never see if you mm-hmm. didn't know they existed, the community D and D episode, at least the first one, because the second one is still there, yeah. but the first and one isn't there, there entirely really because things, not some, I mean, the first yeah. one's entirely there because of something they openly use yeah, to be they're, they're, a holy, this is not right moment. Yeah. They in, talk about why it's not right. And, yeah. yeah. It's, ben, it's ben Chang showing up as a drow. Mm. Yeah. Okay, Ben. <laughs> totally face painted and yeah. yeah. But but uh I will say the Freaks and Geeks D and D episode is still there and that is amazing. Uh, there's also uh like fan made productions yeah. of mm-hmm. things like the gamers and the gamers too, Darkness Rising. Oh my gosh, so good. Which is very, very good stuff. All a million times better than any D and D movie that D and D actually came out with, cartoon or live action. Even so far, even we'll see the new one. But I haven't seen the new one. Even in other languages, because in French there's an amazing short movie about D and D called Tom and His Chums, and it is a little adult. I will preface that for our viewers and listeners. You brought beer. We're serious. We're gamers. serious gamers. We Why don't... would you bring beer? <laughs> anyway, I mean, it's Tom yeah. and his Tom and his chums uh, in in French. Uh, it is subtitled. If you find it on YouTube, it is rather adult. So, and we haven't not... watched it in how many years? I watch it regularly. It, it's oh. still um, just as funny every time. So, and but, then um, D D is the ultimate world building platform. Yeah, because essentially yeah, you get a group of friends together, you sit down and you make a world together. Whether you're good at it or not is a whole other thing. It doesn't have to be good. It just has to be fun. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I'm currently going through a game right now where I've got everybody I've given prompts and they're building the world as we prepare to run the game. We're building it together. 
uh, we'll see how that goes. But I yeah. loved and for many years played the online game DDO Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. Online. And that was set in Eberron. Yes, that was set in Eberron. Um, and it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun mm-hmm. and it was basically a cooperative video game. It was one of these, you know, MMORPG, but it basically it was get together with a bunch of friends and you're just, you don't even have to think. You don't have to worry about the roles. It'll do it for you. You're not playing a character. You're just chatting while you're killing things, you know, kind of a game. And I had a lot of fun with it. And there would be like little stories and little references. And it definitely tickled that, okay, I still remember what it's like kind of a feel. And MMOs are very much that kind of thing. They talk about world building. You have to build literal worlds. Literally to run an MMO. Um, I've got a, I've got a world that I've never experienced, but I have a feeling that it's one that would bring people to the yard at all times. And that would mm. be Skyrim. Oh yeah. Elder Scrolls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The Elder Scrolls yeah. world. Um, you know, uh, that's been going on since the nineties. Uh, we're waiting for Elder Scrolls six to come out. Yeah, you know, anytime it wants. Now, my brother it. keeps like, a, a, I, is it the original Xbox? I can't even remember. Yeah. What he's, got a, he's got an Xbox 360 now. Yeah. He's moved up, but he keeps an Xbox running just to keep uh, playing, uh, playing through these games. But the original uh, Elder Scrolls. Mm-hmm. That he loves. is that every they, they've built this world, and mm-hmm. every game in this series takes place in a different in a different province. Yeah. So the rules of the world, who inhabits it remain the same, but the they also jump back and forth through time. Oh, it's before this big war or after this king died or before the king even lived, you know, they they jump around in time and they jump around the world itself, but the world itself remains consistent that the Khajiit are the Khajiit and that the orcs are the orcs and that the other things are the other things and um and they do a really, really good job of that. The games themselves uh, can go anywhere from the greatest game ever made to rolling hot garbage. Uh, I mean, yeah, they let, let's place a basket on someone's head so they can't tell we're stealing everything from their shop. I'm thinking like <laughs> like Elder Scrolls is a lot like um, Final Fantasy in that regard. Mm. There are different yeah. stories in different parts of the world and they're different worlds, yeah. but they're all Final Fantasy. And they're yeah. all somehow connected. Yeah. And it's the, yeah, Final Fantasy is another one of those ones where it's like the little trappings that remain consistent. You know, there'll be Moogles, there'll be Chocobos, there'll be a sword called Excalibur. There'll be, you know, Bahamut, Tiamat, and a bunch of other words that may mean different things in different universes. But, and the story is the world is going to end unless the good guys do something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In a lot of cases, the stories don't make any much more sense than that because in a lot of cases, the stories are, oh boy, are they ever complicated and weird? Was but, the world ending in, in the camping game? Absolutely. You were, okay. you, you were trying to stop the world from ending. Okay. I don't know. The, camp, I didn't the camping one? Final Fantasy 15. Oh, the, the boy band trip. Right. Yeah. The, the, camping dr- in cars with boys. And, dr- yeah. 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 But the thing is, is that that game actually had like corporate sponsorship. For from two companies, so one pot the, noodle. Yeah, uh, yeah, because you could get the pot noodle helmet. Right, and you could get like like you could go to like pot noodle vendor stands at like different places and buy noodles, and your yep. characters could eat them for stats. Coleman, Coleman, the camping company. 
sponsor them so that when you would find like a rest stop to stop at night, they would pitch an actual Coleman tent and take out a Coleman camping stove and the proper lanterns. And they would sit in the camp chairs with the logos, you know, firmly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was a really weird sort of a product tie in, but it worked. It worked really well. We should, we should discuss at some point product placement that works and doesn't. Oh, that would be a good episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, we really do need to know because, man, yeah. you know what? If we need to do that, though, I'm really hungry. I am going to have to go out for some Subway footlongs. I knew you were going <laughs> to Subway. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I I think that, um, you know, there are some of those worlds that it's like you hear, oh, there's a, a Final Fantasy game. It's it's not a continuation on that story. It's not but, like Mario Brothers where, oh, I know what a Mario Brothers is. It's Final Fantasy is it's something different, but it is part of this larger world. Yeah. Whereas um, if you look at the world of Mario, it's what sport can we cram into it today? <laughs> What's the hidden mini game? Um, so what is a world that if you hear something's in it, you're like, I'm out? Honestly. 100% these days because of what it's become? Middle Earth. Fair. The oversaturation of, um, of stories in and around the, the in, in and around Lord of the Rings, I am done with. Um, yeah. the, the inconsistency, the silliness that has come up and the insistence on cramming new little bits into the same timeline that don't make sense and are in, and, and no. Give me the old Hobbit movie and I'm, and we're good. Uh, one for me, it's not it's not one world, it's a type of world. Mm. But if your story is zombies, uh, I'm gonna pass. Mm. Same thing. Oversaturation. Mm-hmm. Um and it's there's just there's so many out there and it's so hard to tell the good from the bad, and I just don't care anymore. Find another story. John Romero made like 40 or 50 movies in this genre. You can't do better than he did. You're not going to do worse than he did. Find another story. The market is saturated. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get a lot of people upset with me. Um, the mortal instruments um, and anything else related to that. Uh, I, I, there's a whole bunch like that. I just that? don't care. Yeah. I've it, never. It's, yeah. it's, it's a whole urban fantasy world that there's, a whole bunch of books and movies and there's other series that are similar. And I think that I would probably, um, what's the TV show or something in this? Cause I've never heard of this. They're all, all called the, the mortal instruments, but there's other like, yeah, it was, things it was that are young similar. Adult, it was a young adult book series first, right? Yeah. And there's, yeah. there's movies and things like that. And I just don't care. And I don't know enough about it to not care, but I just don't care. Everything I hear well, about it, like, oh, the Shadow Hunter Chronicles. No, thank you. I you don't will. care. And I could, I could extend to something we already talked about. Um, I'm done with Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I, I was done with Harry Potter after the first movie, really, but yeah. I, I think that, um, but it, 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 it's not so much the world that's turning me off. It's the creator. I, and and things that are coming out in the new versions. Mm-hmm. It's um it 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 is a universe based on all of the things that I don't like in YA books. Mm-hmm. 
So there are books that I have never consumed, movies that I have never watched, and I am uninterested in the world. Now, I, I have seen movies, and we did w- uh, go and see, uh, what was it called, Magical Beasts or Magical Creatures? Mm-hmm. or Fantastic Beasts. Fantastic yeah. Beasts. And you know what? It wasn't bad. No. But the actors playing the supporting characters were much more interesting. Were way more mm-hmm. fun than Newt Scamander or anything. Like the, um, the, 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 his, his best buddy, the baker and his girlfriend, the two of them were a better story and were more interesting characters than anything going on in the mainland. And I would rather watch a movie about those two than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I, it, it breaks all my rules. It's a, you know, at its heart, it's a story about abused kids and adults that don't listen to children and adults that don't believe children when they tell them that the big bad is coming and then children are put in danger because the adults are idiots. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that, that is media that I will not consume. Yeah. No, I, and, and that, and that's fair. I, I, I'm not telling people what to like or not like. I really did like the Harry Potter series, but I'm, I'm more turned away because yeah. of what's coming out now and the creator. Whereas, you know, the Mortal Instruments, Shadow Hunters, Divergent, all of that, I just don't care. A lot of the young, I used to really like, um, urban fantasy and I still do from time to time, but a lot of that urban fantasy that is directed at YA, I just can't. Do, do you want an urban fantasy series that uh, is an old school one that is rooted in reality for the most part? But come on, it's purely fantastical that I love. Mm. Do South. Oh. Because the fantasy that a Mountie could integrate himself into the Chicago PD and could solve any crime by smelling mud. <laughs> With a dog named Diefenbaker. Yep. Uh, no, no, a deaf wolf. Deaf wolf, a deaf, wolf a named Diefenbaker. Yeah. That he has a license for because, you know, his partner made a license for him. <laughs> Just... Man. Um, I, yeah, yeah. So uh, that, that, that's pretty much it. You know, I, 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 there are, you know, there are definitely things that I'm going to be like, whoa, I'm not into that. But I'll tell you, like, I'm willing to give a lot of premises a fair shake. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, my little pony. I would have discounted until somebody paid money for us to do a review. Thanks, Zach. For a radio station. <laughs> and I discovered that Friendship is Magic is actually a really good uh, show. And the world is awesome. It is a wonderfully created series. Um, yes, yes, it is for children. But it yeah. is a wonderfully created series. Um, I'll, I'll tell you one that a thing that makes me steer away, like worlds mm. that make me steer away, if I see... Created by Neil Gaiman. I'm going to take three steps back and take a long, hard look at it before I consume the media. Now, there's no doubting that he is one of, like, the greatest writers ever. And he's incredibly popular. And his stuff is really, really, really good. But it's at a level of complication and at a level of meta that is a little beyond my intelligence. And... I've looked at some of his series and people are like beating themselves in the head with rusty chains going, it's so amazing. But, and I'm like, I don't get it. But my question is, is it the worlds that he creates that you don't get or the, the intricate stories and plot lines? I, I, but the thing is, is like, like, like the angels and demons show that he did yeah. there. Okay. Good, good omens. Good, good omens. omens. Yeah. Okay. 
he ripped that off of Dante. We want to talk about well, world yes, creators. Yes. Let's talk about Dante. But but it you know everybody rips off Dante. I yes. mean, come on, everybody does. Um, and it's based off the series that he did with Terry Pratchett. Terry Pratchett. Yeah. And speaking of world building, and mm-hmm. it's actually one of the the ones that I absolutely love. And there's different gaming, you know, kinds of worlds that he's built, like. I don't dig American Gods as a world, but I do dig the Good Omens world. But I tr- so another example is now the new series that's come out of Sandman. Mm. Um, I picked up the Sandman comic at a at a bookstore and tried to understand the back cover of like Volume One mm-hmm. and of God of This and Earth of That, and it just. Right over my head. It's like, I can't even understand the back cover. I'm not going to watch this. I can't watch this TV show. I'm not going to get it. I'm too stupid. Um, I I don't know. I, yeah. So I thought you said there was a something new from there, but oh, you mean the, the, the series that came out? Yeah. I completely forgot it existed. Yeah. Yeah, There's a Sandman Um, series that's come out and I just, I, I tried to watch the trailer. I watched the trailer and I just, I'm, I'm uninterested. I I liked Lucifer. Is that his too? Yep. That's in the world of Sandman. Yeah, it's in oh. the world of Okay. okay. Um, also also crosses over with DC for some reason of uh, DC because of Constantine. Was Constantine and Lucifer? Yes. Yeah. Well, no. In in the in the D&D um or in the in the WB network shows, yes. they had their their Crisis on Infinite Earths. Lucifer shows up because Constantine is involved. Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, we... and 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 in the comics, Constantine mm-hmm. and um uh uh Lucifer have crossover and yeah. things like that. Yeah. So they do they do know each other in the comics, and isn't no, it's not okay. Never mind. Continue. So I will I will say about Good Omens though. I think I like that show more for the playoff between David Tennant and Michael Sheen than anything. Well, sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> Uh, their their chemistry is fantastic, but I really do think it is not just that because God's no American Gods mm-hmm. had um Ian McShane from mm-hmm. Deadwood, and he's a great actor. He's very compelling. I really liked it when he showed up in Game of Thrones. He wasn't enough to hold me. Yeah, Are you th- know, it it just it wasn't it wasn't see. So the world I liked Deadwood is one of those worlds that just should not work. And yet some, I want to do a story. I want to do a cowboy story. Okay. In iambic pentameter. You want to do what? It's kind of <laughs> oh, like, but, but they, but yeah. they swear a lot. Yeah. It's kind of like I got into uh Westworld finally. And that's yeah. another one of those ones that should it really work? Did it kind of, I don't, I don't know, but, um, it, honestly, that is one of those worlds that I have not explored. Mm-hmm. I have not consumed. I'm going to say I'm intimidated by. I yeah. Well, the, the I will say this: it survives for me based on the acting, based mm-hmm. on the people involved, and how good they are at what they do. So then, not the um, world. The world itself, kind of a little like it's 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 not the most complex of worlds. It's just a robot theme park. It's a robot Robots. theme park. Um. Are there? I was going to ask though. We've we talked about worlds where we don't want anything to do with. Is there a world that has been built that you are looking forward to something new in? Whether you know it's something coming out or something that you would like to see more of in that world. So I know I railed against comic books before, mm-hmm. um, but of 
all of the Batman worlds and uh, continuities that have come out, the Batman Arkham universe mm. is utterly fantastic. And they did four video games and a comic tie-in or a, a, a cartoon tie-in, and, which tied into the Suicide Squad movie. Um, and the new video game that's come out, Gotham Knights, is uh, tied to the seems tied to the Arkham universe tangentially. Um, but that DC universe, that Batman, that Joker, that uh, Harley Quinn, that universe, I could just consume media in that all day long, and I'd like to mm-hmm. see more. The Harley Quinn cartoon show, which, while not directly related to the Arkham show, to the Arkham universe, is in that same vein, Although done as a comedy, um, and we've got so good. we've got three seasons of it. It's probably the best comic book thing I've ever seen in my life, and I want seasons four through nine to come out like right now. Mm-hmm. I need to consume all of it. It's so uh, good. I love that show. It's so good. Um, I think that the I mean, come on, Kite Man fights the Condiment King. How great a, is this? There's a world that I would love to see more in, and it doesn't have to be the same characters. It could just be that world mm-hmm. that I really enjoyed, and we've been rewatching um, Ugly Americans. Mm, so, yes. Ugly Americans is an animated series that played on like one of the I don't know Cartoon Network or mm. one of the late night TV shows kind of things, you know. In the same vein as like Metalocalypse and, and, and Aqua Teen Hunger Force, you know, those, those kinds of things. And it's a world where everything exists. Zombies and vampires and wizards and demons and the demons are all part of a corporate structure and, and there's it, a and souls it, market. And, and it all exists in Manhattan. Yeah. In New York. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> so and 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 man birds and and all sorts of crazy things and i really would love to see more of that it was it was a wild ride and it was i'd, I'd like to see different characters i i think it would be a fun it's, world it, to play with it, it is a it is a hilarious show that has you know the world is that the, the the rules of the world is that there are no rules to the world because everything exists all at once mm-hmm. yeah and the main character voices kite man Right, yeah, the, yeah. Mark, Mark Mark Lilly, the character from uh, Ugly Americans, is also the voice of Kite Man in the Harley Quinn show. Yeah, so what so we're what I'm seeing is we would need more Kite Man. No, no. Um, or Kite Man. I the one I, the one I'm looking forward to, and again, it's it's not real world. It's real world plus. I'm looking forward to more in the John Wick universe. That's another really good universe. Yes, mm-hmm. and I think we've got. I have headcanon that there are more than just the John Wick movies in the John Wick universe. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody. Yep. Yeah. Uh, also, um, what is it? Milkshake Dynamite. Oh, yes. Uh, Gunpowder Milkshake. Gunpowder, Gunpowder, Gunpowder Milkshake. 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 Yep. Gunpowder Milkshake. That is uh, definitely the same universe. Atomic and, Blonde could be in that same universe as well. I haven't seen that. It's, um, uh, it's an, it's, I know uh, of it. Yeah. 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 But I, I really want there to be, um, a, you put the three universes together, but do John Wick, Gunpowder Milkshake, and The Kingsman yeah, <laughs> all yeah. together in one giant choreographed fight scene. Yeah, in my head, Kingsman is also in that world. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, Tech, I'm very surprised that we haven't discussed a world that dominates your life. 
Oh. And is looming over your shoulder, or at least to the side there. Yeah. Something something that a certain former Superman has something to do with as well? Something that you have cabinets of and yes, tables a, of. That a certain and, former Superman has. Yeah, right. Okay, so... We, all right, so let's talk about games. Because I think I think this is going to be your on the horizon thing, right? Because and, they're coming out with movies. And let's see where it goes. Um, and this will finish us off. All right, be- ahead. okay. So in times of yore, there's a company in England that uh, called Games Workshop, and they decided to write a sort of a dystopic, sort of a future sci-fi thing set 40,000 years in the future called Warhammer 40,000. It's a tabletop game, it's a role-playing game, it's comic books, it's video games, it's movies, it's all kinds of things. But at its core is a the fact that you've got 40 years or 35 years or 40 years of continual writing by very good authors in this universe that have been expanding the lore. And like I mentioned before, uh, some of it is contradictory to other stuff, but what they, what they did well and what they've done in this sort of sci-fi universe is that they've always, because it's based on role-playing games or miniature games or things, is that they always left openings for you, the player, to get involved in their universe. So they would say, 17 regiments. Mm-hmm. 17 regiments went to this planet to fight this battle against the enemy. And then they'd list only 15 of them and then redact two. And then mm-hmm. they would give some sort of vague reason as to why two regiments can't be named. Well, that's your in that you, oh, maybe you want to write the story about one of those regiments or there's 20 chapters of space Marines, but we're only ever going to mention 18 and we're going to expunge the records of the other two. Well, that gives you an in as a storyteller in your games to maybe write about those two extra legions or whatever you want. So they do that very, very well. They've created an absolutely awesome universe um, that I, I have fell hook, line, and sinker for since I was a teenager. I've read the books. I've played the video games. I have cabinets of models. Actually, they're just back there and over on this shoulder and over down here and up there. and They're everywhere. But I'm obsessed with this universe because I love the world. I love the story. I love that there's no good guys. And yeah, former Superman Henry Cavill uh, is a huge fan. He plays the Adeptus Custodes faction. And um, after getting booted or leaving, depending on who you talk to, DC... And after not getting, after getting fired from or leaving The Witcher, depending on who you talk to, he is without a job. Mm-hmm. So he has gone to Amazon and has pitched a Warhammer 40k series and it's been accepted. He has a budget and now he's starting production and Henry Cavill will lead production of a Warhammer 40k series on Amazon Prime. Mm. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Now, the problem is that 40K being expansive as it is, um, tie-in products tend to be hot or cold. Uh, No matter how good this is, it is going to anger a lot of people because it's not the story I wanted to see, or the orcs look bad, or the Tyranids aren't scary enough. It's going to anger nerds all over the world. I will be one of them. I will nerd rage on this podcast when it comes out like you wouldn't believe, if Nutty lets me. But I'm still going to watch it, and I can't wait to see it. Yeah. I, I think I think um I think it is due for a, an adaptation. I think having Henry Cavill on board makes me think that the fans are going to get something they want to see. 
um, mm. which is really exciting. Um, some of the best stuff comes from people who are fans themselves. And I think that as much as I don't like the Superman movies that Henry Cavill was in, um, and I, although I don't mind him when he's like a one-off in another movie, uh, I think that, um, the other things I've seen him do are so good mm-hmm. that I won't judge him by that. I'll, I'll just say that's Nolan's fault or whoever did it, not Nolan, Snyder, whoever it was. Oh, yeah. um, um, it's all Snyder's fault. But now, now the, the, the speculation among the fans is because there's so many stories that have been told in this universe is which story is Henry Cavill going to choose to play in this universe? Is it Gaunt's Ghosts? Is it The Last Chancers? Is it, um, um, uh, the Horus Heresy? Is it, you know, the, the Fall of Cadia? There's, and that just shows it's, how good this world building is yeah. because now all of the 40K fans have this to speculate over, to discuss, yeah. to dive into, and enough to keep you excited until more information is released. I mean, and that's the beauty of a – that's the sign of a good world. So I, as, another, I called, as, as another 40K yeah. fan, Vox, what do you think? I mean, I'm not, I'm not as big a fan, uh, but you can see – his enjoyment of the world in the uh, in any interview he does he would talk about warhammer well before he was even involved with the project with them at the drop of a hat yeah he just does what he wants to do with it and that's great i'm surprised that neither you nor him have a uh, have uh grim and dark tattooed on your knuckles (laughs) (laughs) you know like um, in the grim darkness of yeah. the future, there is but, only more grim darkness. We'll just look forward to the fact that he's going to play something completely different. He's going to create new history and that the Emperor wakes up from a long nap. <laughs> <laughs> but there are there are series dedicated to the lore. Like on, on YouTube, there are things where it's not just people delve into the lore. There are fiction oh, builders and there's whole fan like, movies that have fan analysis that are and amazing. fan movies uh, and that's the mark of a good series that's the mark of a good a good world there when it invites the agency of people to build within the world uh, and to shout, think shout outs to a youtube channel called flash gets and a comic called the wobbly model syndrome also uh, a little little group of fanboys known as uh, blizzard for stealing it for us uh, stealing the tyranids for starcraft uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Games Workshop also ripped off a bunch of things to yes, make well, yeah. the 40k universe. Um, number one being Judge Dread. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to take three seconds. We need a we need a new Dread movie. Speaking of it, speaking of things that uh, need more world Tell building. <laughs> Carl We're Urban was quite well. We're ahead. I mean, Look. Carl Urban's uh, version was fantastic. I mean, well, look, quit look, if we could, del- if we could just go into delving deeper and making him grittier and grittier in the world, that'd be great. If he embraced okay, the Snyder. Billy Butcher, if he embraced the Billy Butcher character from the boys and brought that energy oh. to the dread universe instead of his robot, uh, his ro- okay, robotic. You, this is the kind of talk that may, that, that make <laughs> really bad movies. Yeah, but good world spawn bad movies too. I cannot find the name of the nemesis, but there was Uh, a a series called 2000 AD. There was judge dread. There was a bunch of other comics that were coming mm -hmm. out in the, in England, in the eighties that were direct responses to Thatcherism. And you mean, um, V for Vendetta. 
V for Vendetta is another mm-hmm. one. Uh, the Watchmen is yeah. another one. But this whole idea of responding to hyper right wing politics mm-hmm. that were going on in the 80s at the time, Games Workshop, let's be generous, borrowed from a lot of material that yes. was out there when they made the 40K yeah. universe. Oh, yeah. Gonna, yeah. And if we're going to go, if we're going to really call Wild Shot, let's bring it back, Worlds, I want another Tank Girl movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But instead, we get the gorillas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the artist behind Tank Girl is the visual artist that does all the gorillas videos. Yeah. And on that note, I want to thank everyone for joining us. We're gonna wrap this up. Uh, but thanks for joining us. What is a world that matters to you? And 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 does world building actually matter to you? And I I think we can say that yes, it does. Yes, mm-hmm. it really does. It really does. So thank you so much for joining us. Before we go, I'm just going to thank the patrons, without whom we wouldn't be able to do two episodes a month. We wouldn't have that banging intro and outro music, and it, we wouldn't be as motivated to record. So thank you so much. Thanks to our top tier top patron. Thank you to Jax. And also thank you to uh, Jason and to Rich the TT. Thank you for everything that you do as you well daddies. as well as our patrons of the arts thank you to kaylin mark cabot the encaffeinated one melissa the bathtub mermaid and Susanna. thank you so much you should be hearing from me if you haven't already and thank you to our full patron list thank you to everybody that keeps the lights on keep us going and let us know that we're doing something that you actually care about so thank you so much to um shane andy Cliff, Grig, Harold, Hugh, Ian, Justine, Ken, Kinsey, Crazy Joe Adventures, Mike, PCAT, The Radical Geek, Will, and Zachman. And I think on our last episode, I said that they were all $1 patrons. That is not true. They are just at a, a different tier, a lower tier, um, because I am just noticing that everybody has their, their own donations set at different levels so i don't want to just lump them all in as one dollars there's there's some two dollars there's some three dollars so it is definitely a pay whatever you want kind of donation model thank you so much everyone and have a great time hope to hear from you soon bye bye goodbye Nutty Bites is produced by Nimlas Studios under a Creative Commons Attribution No Commercial Non-Derivatives 3.0 International License. That means you can't change it without my permission. You can share it and send it to your friends. Just link back to me, my site, and everything. We live at nimlas.org, which has links to everything social media, including facebook.com slash group slash Nutty Bites and patreon.com slash nukejoss or call 347-Nutty42. 